0: Hello and welcome to session number 11 in this podcast series, Raising Leaders. Today's topic is particularly exciting. I've got good news for you. The multitudes are coming. Oh, yes, they are. Now, God had only ever one plan, only one plan, and that is to have a very, very, very big family a family of people from every nation, every race, every part of the globe, every generation. And uh, it all began with the call of Abraham, who later became Abraham. And uh, this runs right throughout the whole Bible, these prophecies from Genesis to the book of Revelation. God's single purpose is clearly seen to bring together in one body people from every nation, tribe, and language. And this company of people, God's family, will share the eternal splendor of Christ in his kingdom, shining in glorious testimony to his grace and peace. Power. So as I said, it all began with what God said to Abraham, and it says, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation, I will bless you, and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing." I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless you, make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Now, who wouldn't want a promise like that? But I've got good news for you. You and I are part of this package, because this is God's salvation promise of blessing to all humanity, to all nations, peoples, and families. And the promise came through the seed of Abraham, which is Christ, Galatians chapter three, verse 16. And in Christ, the church inherits the blessing of Abraham. Galatians chapter three, verses 13 to 14, speak about us being, uh, inheriting, or coming into the blessing of Abraham by the Spirit or which is the Spirit, God's promise, blessing, his presence with us, his people. And so we are going to see, we are going to see multitudes from all nations come to the church of God. Again, Genesis 17 verse 6, Abraham, a promise to him, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. God promises fruitfulness for those who are in the covenant. Now, I want you to understand this. Where there's blessing, there's multiplication. Fruitfulness is a mark of blessing. It's a product of the blessing of God. Remember, God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless you and in you All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the principle is this. First, God blesses. And then we become fruitful. You will recall in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, God created humanity in his image, male and female, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's the first creation mandate. I will bless you and multiply you, I'll make you fruitful, and I want you to be fruitful and multiply under my blessing, and fill the earth and bring it into subjection under God's rulership and kingdom. Now the new creation mandate, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus is going to all the world and make disciples of all nations, is exactly on the same principle. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. I'm blessed. God has anointed him and blessed him and exalted him. And in that blessing, there there is capacity for fruitfulness. The plan of God in Jesus Christ is going to succeed. He shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied, Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 53. So now. Let's go into more detail. The blessing of Abraham is given to us through the promise of the Spirit. Galatians 3.14 So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. You need to understand covenant language here. When God created Israel, and entered into a covenant relationship, he said, you will be my people and I will be your God. I will be with you. I'll put my spirit within you. And so being in the covenant is is receiving the blessing of God, which is his promise and which is his spirit, his presence in us. And so now we have received the blessing of Abraham. It's come not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And so we begin to see this promise unfold before our very eyes in the Gospels. The crowds that followed Jesus were the first fruits of these new multitudes that were to come. And then ultimately, out of that came the Christian church, and then we see God blessing the Christian church with multitudes. You know, if you ever came to the uh, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, really for the first time and just... Just looked at them, read them all the way through. I guarantee to you two things would, would, would stand out for you. Number one, Jesus' love for the Father. His willingness, desire to obey the Father. I, only, I delight to do your will. Only do what you tell me to do. So Jesus' love for the Father and his life of, of ministry unto the Father. Second thing you notice is Jesus' compassion for the multitudes. And it seems as when Jesus was was in in step with the Father's heart in heaven, and and he was in connection with the Father's, the Father's heart of compassion was beating in heaven. So on earth, the hands, the feet, the mouth of Jesus were in operation on the earth. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, it says, When Jesus saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them, and he taught them. Mark chapter 8, verses 2 to 3. Again, he sees the multitudes and he has, out of his compassion, he provides for them. He feeds them. Matthew fourteen, fourteen. Jesus seals, sees the, 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 the multitudes, has compassion, and he heals them. And then in a very special passage, Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10 The very last bit of chapter 9 and the first bit of chapter 10, you appreciate in the original versions there was no chapters. That was added later for our convenience. And in this case, it's for our inconvenience because the end of chapter 9 goes straight into chapter 10 and it's record and it's thought and and it's a little unit and it shouldn't be divided. And when we read it together, it's quite powerful. So Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sees the multitudes, and he has compassion on them. They are sheep without a shepherd. And so he said that the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth workers into the harvest field. And then it says, chapter 10, verse 1, and he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. So the answer to the prayer, send out workers, comes in chapter 10 when Jesus raises up his 12. So he gathered those multitudes, that crowd that was scattered, a sheep without a shepherd, he gathered them to himself and he began to reach them and to disciple them through his 12. And we've seen the principle of 12 is what we base our cell vision on. Jesus set in motion his principle of 12, reaching the multitudes through training and releasing a small group of leaders and then commissioning them to do the same. That's absolutely taken uh, 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 in the context of the New Testament, the very thing that Jesus did amongst with his disciples over the, the three and a half years he was with them, they began to do. They ministered to the multitudes. Yes, they preached to the crowds. They discipled in small groups. They raised up groups. It was natural for them to do so. Met from house to house and also in vast open spaces. For example, the Jerusalem church would meet in the temple courts. And so that was in Jesus' life and ministry. Multitudes came. And he trained his disciples, his twelve to reach the multitudes. So this is very very interesting, very interesting. So if you want to reach the multitudes and you want to see the multitudes come and who would not, who would not desire that today as we see multitudes of people all around planet earth, in our big cities, in the rural areas as they're scattered across vast tracts of territory, sometimes in peaceful surroundings, sometimes in difficult situations and dangerous surroundings. We see multitudes everywhere and if we are in touch with Jesus, as Jesus was in touch and is in touch with the Father, our hearts will be moved with compassion and we'd want to see those multitudes as a scattered crowd, sheep without a shepherd and he tells us it's not our choice. We don't decide to do it. It's not a good idea that we have. We hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the command of the gospel, go and make disciples of the multitudes, of the nations, and gather them in. And so we do that, how? By turning, in a sense, turning from the multitudes to focus on the twelve. Jesus spent most of his time doing that. It seems counterintuitive to say if you want to reach the multitudes, put on bigger and better meetings and go on. And and sometimes there are meetings which gather thousands and thousands of people. But without discipleship, nothing is gathered and the fruit is lost and the crowd stays a scattered crowd. But when you take a small group of people and pour your life into them, I want to inspire you to make sure every one of you has a godly desire to raise his or her own 12 where you are teaching them, and training them, and mentoring them, and equipping them, pouring into them everything that you know, and together going out to do the same, so that you reach another generation. And so in this cell vision, as we work on the principle of 12, if it was a pure mathematical 12, 12, uh, a group of 12 would reach another 12, and they'd reach another 12, and then in a few generations, actually, if you do that, only four, uh, four, five, six, seven, time something like that you can reach all the uh, those who are lost in the world anyway the point is this that we focus and concentrate on a group of people who are faithful and then we train them and they go out and do the same and raise up cell leaders and do the same and so it multiplies that is how it happens Now, we know this is what took place on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God was poured out upon the early church and the day of Pentecost. The Spirit fell, not just on the believers, but the Spirit impacted those who didn't know Christ. The Holy Spirit has been given to us for them. And that's one of the sure marks that God has blessed you is when that blessing overflows and impacts somebody else. I'm not interested in a blessing that stops with you. I'm not interested in hearing that, you know, here's how I was blessed by God. That's good, but the purpose of the blessing, he says, I will bless you and make you a blessing. Are you a blessing? Are you passing on what you have? Or is it just about, no, I just want this for me? That is not the kingdom way. What God has given, pass it on, giving you salvation, lead somebody to Christ. Touched your body and healed you. Pray for somebody. God has changed your life. Counsel and disciple somebody. We are not to let the blessing stop with us. It is almost criminal for us to do that. And so, yep, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 Uh, and they were fully discipled. Uh, In Acts chapter 5, another 5,000 were brought in. They were discipled. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it's not just the disciples multiplying, but churches are multiplying. And in the end, thousands upon thousands Uh, in Jerusalem, and from every section of society had come to Christ. Even the clergy were getting saved. That's a mighty revival. The whole city was shaken and evangelized. And so church history goes on, and we come to the end in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and with palm branches in their hands. And so, through the cell vision, everyone can be a part of God's big plan. Every one of us can win people to Christ, consolidate them in their faith, disciple them into leadership and send them out into the harvest we can all live under the blessing of fruitfulness and multiplication even if our life is taken as a single seed when we sow our seed the seed of our life into the ground and die it brings forth much fruit how much more how much more when we do it together and so not just uh, big meetings or evangelistic crusades but through the cell meetings in the homes through personal evangelism, in the streets, the cafes, the offices, the theatres, the farms, the fields, the factories, all that makes up the agora, the marketplace of today. God has a plan for you. He's included you in his plan and purpose for the nations. He has promised you fruitfulness. He's called you to reach the multitudes. And so the model of 12 helps us in the way we live our lives and organize ourselves in the churches to make, mature, mentor, and mobilize disciples. And as we do this, there are three key things. Number one, daring faith. Come on. Believe in God. Don't believe God for the possible. That's going to happen anyway. Believe God for the impossible. God can make you fruitful and you can leap over a wall, run through a troop, overcome anything in order to be a blessing to others. Mm. Daring faith, adventurous faith, number one. Number two, Mm. bold prayer. Mm. Bold prayer. Come before God, rise up in the spirit of passion, fervency. Mm. Bold prayer and, and, and storm, storm heaven, so to speak. Prayer is invading the impossible. That's what Pastor Jack Hayford used to say. And number three, do this in total dependence on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Without God, we can do nothing. And as we move in these three things, faith, prayer, the Holy Spirit, God will ignite and sustain your passion for Christ and make sure that you build with him. His vision becomes a reality in this world. Now I want to leave you with a point of contact. God gave Abraham a concrete faith vision. Do you remember that? Vision of the multitudes to come. Jesus said, uh, sorry, Abraham said, you know, nothing's happening. You know, I, I, I'm still childless. And, and God took Abraham outside and said, look, look at the grains of sand. Look at, the, look at the stars of heaven. Can you count them? So shall your offspring be. And every time from that moment on he saw the sand, he thought of his children, His offspring. Every time he looked at the stars, he saw every one of them. Maybe he started to name them already, you know. And this one's going to be Isaac, and then I, and maybe he saw his grandchildren, Jacob, and maybe he saw his great grandchildren, and all of them. And you know what this is? This is having a vision of what your life can become. You know, faith operates very much out of the visual impressions that we hold in our mind. We are drawn towards the most dominant vision in our mind and in our lives. So I want you to begin to ask God to show you the multitudes that can come through you and the multitudes that can come through us as we serve Jesus together. God bless you. We'll see you next time for our final podcast in this series of Raising Leaders.